hello, and welcome to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. Yes, we are back for another week. We will discuss yet another Tampa Bay Buccaneers loss and look forward to them trying to get back on the right track against the team that ended their season last year, the Los Angeles Rams, this weekend. I am Trey Downey. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. You can follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out the website, BucksNation.com on a daily basis. Everything going on with the Buccaneers right up there on Bucks Nation. And he's with me every single week. He is my co-host. You can follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. He is the one, the only, Lynn Martez. Lynn, what's up, man? Oh, well, where has a 2-0 start gone? Five of the last six. Three and five. Um, you know what? You can go ahead and gloss over everything and paint your little pretty picture, but I ain't going to be pretty. I wasn't pretty last week, and I'm not going to be pretty today. So moving on. All right, let's let's get into it. Good, bad, and ugly. I'll paint somewhat of a pretty prettier picture to start. Like we I said, to, we, go ahead. We, we we don't need to we don't need to dr- fully drag this out. But oh, Mike Evans had a hundred yards receiving. I'm not even go. I'm not even going in that Ooh. direction. I'm just asking you. I'm just asking. Everyone you. knows I'm the biggest Mike Evans fan. I am. I am. Everyone uh, knows. <laughs> I am going to. I am going to ask you. As a whole, last week, Thursday Night Football, the loss to the Baltimore Ravens at home. Did you think that the Buccaneers played better as a whole than they did in their previous two losses? Out of respect for you and our friendship, I'll answer the question. Yes. Who cares? doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Improvement doesn't matter? Not the way they're playing. No. No. Not when you give up 77 80 and 85 scoring drives all in the second half. Not when you give up four scoring drives in the second half, first possessions of the Ravens, who are struggling offensively, scored three points. Here's the thing that no one talks about. Oh, you know what? I won't even say that because no one is a large, large. I'll just say it's like everyone, everyone, yeah, everyone knows, knows, I'm the biggest everyone knows that Trey Downey is a Mike Evans fan. Everyone and no one, large groups. Yeah, you know what? Well, I'll, I'll give you that. I say no one, you say everyone. But I see the difference is I correct myself. Mind you, here's the thing. All right. I won't say no one, I'll just say. There's only a small minority of people. I haven't heard of yet, but the small minority of people say this. And that is the fact that we can talk about, you know, things going well, but there's so many things that have gone bad. Like, I mean, you talk about what the, how they play defensively uh, on Thursday night and, and how they got pushed around. And they gave up 217 rushing yards in the second half. And the most important thing that not a lot of people talk about is the fact that where the hell are the adjustments in the second half? Like you had a 10 to three lead and the Ravens, the road team, who was four and three going into the game, who wasn't spinning 
like you were. Granted, they hadn't won consecutive games all season long, and they finally won two straight. But the Bucs were the team that was spinning, that had just lost to two teams that had one win each. Pittsburgh, granted, they were both on the road, Pittsburgh and Carolina. Two teams that had one win each before they played you. So you were playing down to the level of bad teams. And you're the team at home on a Thursday night that doesn't make adjustments? That's got to be an indictment on coaching, right? That's an indictment on everybody. Coaching? Players? Everybody. And, yeah, we can point we can point at the offense and talk about the, there's no adjustments on the offense because Lord knows they can't run the football. But, dad, dude. This defense is atrocious. No, I wasn't just me. I wasn't going to pile on Byron Leftwich more. I was more halftime adjustments. A lot of that has to be on the head coach. No doubt. But, but like, I said it last week. When you're a head coach, you're, you're a head coach in this league, nine times out of ten, unless you came from college, which even those guys usually had some experience coaching in the NFL, Guys that come from college, okay, like Nick Saban, right? Nick Saban went to the Miami Dolphins, but he was part of the Cleveland Browns coaching staff under Bill Belichick. By the way, everyone talks about Bill Belichick's, you know, coaching tree not being very good. <laughs> he might have had the greatest college coach of all time. Let's not forget that one. As, as, much, as, I, as, as much as I want to call him Tricky Nick, <laughs> Tricky Nicky, and I had my situations with him down in Miami. Uh, yeah. Potentially the greatest, at least in our lifetime. And granted, our lifetime may not be totally intertwined, but in our lifetime, maybe the greatest college coach that we've ever seen. But I digress. The point is, is the fact that coaches, head coaches in the NFL are specialists, dude. We can look at all the young guys that are getting a job now. The Matt LaFleur's of the world, right? Sean McVay's of the world. What's their specialty? Kyle Shanahan, offense, right? So you would think that come the second half, whatever they were doing in the first half, that they weren't doing well, they would adjust and find out, okay, this is this is working for us. Or we need to try this and eliminate that. Same thing with a defense. You have defenses coaches in the NFL, right? That become head coaches, i.e. Todd Bowles. So what do you expect? You expect, okay, Todd Bowles, Playing Lamar Jackson, all right, we got to concentrate on stopping the run. All right, we did we did well in the first half. This is what we got to do. We got to expect that they may, may potentially do something different in the second half. But yet they come out in the second half and lunch for 231 yards? Dude, the second half. Come on, man. I mean, like I said, everybody wants to you, – yeah, you can poke holes through their offense all day long. But, man, stop poking those holes on that defense. Mind you, I'm still waiting for 45 to take those skates off because there were multiple plays where them pulling guards were just, like, pushing him like he was he wasn't a horse and carriage, like in one of his horses. All right. I was I was going to focus on – I was going to focus on the offense first like we've typically done. But Go where you, you want, know, dude. No, no, no. You no, asked no, me I'm, a question and I told you. No, I'm going to go – I'm going to go defense because, to me, that might be the biggest topic of discussion – around the Buccaneers right now. We've talked a lot about Tom Brady, about the offensive line, about the defensive line, but rightfully so, a lot of the criticism last week landed squarely on the shoulders of Devin White. And we can look back to what he said post-game 
after that Atlanta game and saying that the, the Bucks were bored and stuff like that. But if you look out, you don't even have to look on social media. If you just had your eyes on the game, the just the effort isn't there for Devin White on certain plays. Just not running after guys. Not There was a touchdown where you, know, you might be able to push the guy out of bounds. He's just not... This is not the Devin White that we've seen. And then you have the you have the situation this week where he declines to speak to the media on Wednesday. He does speak to the media in open locker room on Thursday. He did come back and speak to the media uh, today as we record this on Thursday evening. But Devin White, man, that something's going on on the field and then the way that he's handling the criticism off the field as well is not something that you expect from a guy with a C on his chest. And there's been a lot of made of that as well because of comments that Warren Sapp made about him this week too. A couple of things. One is I'm, I'm, I'm going to say happy. Like, like I'm not like, woo, whoopee, but I am a little bit on um, relieved for lack of a better term, in regards to the fact that he did speak to the media. I'll be honest, when it first came out on Wednesday that he didn't talk to the media and said, I'm good, two words. I just started thinking back about guys that I've covered over the years that I would like label front runners. And I don't, I mean, hey, I'll, I'll flat out, I'll tell you, front runners. When things are good, oh, yeah, let's get talk. And then uh, presser, postgame, oh, yeah, let's go talk. And, you know, or even on the field, right on the field. I, I mean, I, I've covered guys, and I'll tell you, that pose, their Superman pose, right? Superman pose, hey, touchdown, I'm the MVP, 2015, right? That same year, 2015, what happened in the Super Bowl? What happened in that Super Bowl presser, right? He had to, he had to talk about, about not playing up to that Superman, right? Not chasing a fumble on, on, on a play, right? Those type of things, right? He didn't like talking about that. Dude, you, you gotta be stand, you wanna be stand up when it's good? You gotta be stand up when it's bad too. I mean, you know, the, you can look at anything in regards to like, or when you look at, look at things as far as character's concerned. Like I, I'm big on whether it be law enforcement or military. My law enforcement training academy teaches you things in regards to character. Law uh, military, same thing. I wasn't in the military, but I know plenty of people who were. And they're, and they're built on character. When things are down, that's when you find out about people. Okay? When things are down, that's when you find out about anybody can be a front runner, dude. All right? I covered a guy when I was in Miami. All right? NBA guy. This guy, oh, laughing and giggling and smiling and everything. But as soon as he misses free throws late in the game, oh, let him miss a couple of free throws late in the game, mumbling, all right? Mumbling, mumbling. That same mumbling's on TNT, by the way, <laughs> right now. So you can figure that out, all right? Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley did not play in Miami. So you can figure out the guy I'm speaking of in regards to, no, 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 no. that guy, okay? Front runner. Loved it when he went 38 and 15 and they won by 15 points. Oh, yeah, everything was great. Yeah, everything was great. But as soon as he missed a couple of free throws and they lost, okay, when they, when they, when they, when they played a team that was up to their capabilities, all right, was a front runner. 
There's a lot of guys like that. But the problem is, again, all right, with, with Devin White, dude, you got to face the music. You're a Super Bowl champion, all right? I mean, you, you, you are, you, you're an all-pro linebacker. You're one of the best in the league, all right? And, and with that comes the responsibility when things are good and when things are bad. Not just when you want to promote having horses and you want to do those fluff pieces about your you horses. Still, you still believe that Devin White is one of the best linebackers in the league or was it a little bit of overhyping? No, he's still one of the best linebackers okay. in the league. He's, he's not playing up to that, but that that's – listen – Tom Brady is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he's not playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. All right. That, that, I mean, that's, that's the reality. All right. Whether it's a bad stretch or whatever it is, it happens in all sports. Some guys, you can call them the, the you know, the best baseball player, the, one of the best hitters in the league guys go through slumps. Cause I'm just going, you, you can see a lot of people, a lot of people I respect on social media that follow the, the stats and the analytics and just the eye test say that yes, Devin White made a pro bowl last year, but there were signs of this Devin White in 2021. Yeah, okay. Where were they then? They weren't saying it then. They weren't, they're piling on now. That's what it is. It's piling on. That's number one. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm relieved that he spoke today because it at least shows me that maybe yesterday was just a bad day. And it happens. It happens. I mean, look. As much as I said I've been around, I've been around front runners, I've also been around guys who didn't talk to the media at all, all right? Didn't want to talk to anybody at all. Whether it was good or bad, they just were surly guys. Didn't want to talk to the media. Or some guys just weren't comfortable talking to the media. But you knew, all right? You knew the guys that just weren't comfortable. And you also knew the guys who were surly. Like you could, I mean, you could tell them they won the lottery. They could win that 1.5 billion, all right? And they'd be pissed because they got to pay taxes. <laughs> Those type of guys. All right. So again, you know, when it, when it comes to Devin White, he's in a, he's, he's having, having a bad stretch. My thing is this, we could, I mean, we could speculate about all the distractions we want. The thing that I say, that locker room, it's missing leadership, dude. I said it last week when it, when it came to Dominic and Sue, the nasty that that guy brought, the other guy on the other sideline that's no longer with the Bucks that was on the sidelines last Thursday night, a certain guy by the name of Jason Pierre-Paul, a two-time Super Bowl champion, okay? A guy that, that would, <laughs> okay, you want to wear that C? Man, you're going to earn that C. That's the type of guy that he was. And that's the type of guy that Indominus Sue were. He may have not been a guy that literally maybe got in somebody's face. I know Jason Pierre-Paul would, but I'm not saying Sue would have. But Sue played, played, and made you play like he played. That's what this team has been missing. So in leadership, I mean, obviously, Devin White's expected to be that when you have a C on your chest. So is this a situation where you mentioned guys who are leaders but aren't necessarily the most vocal? Is this a situation where the guy that plays next to Devin White Levante David, who's had a C on his chest for a very long time. And we've heard from guys in that locker room, Levante doesn't say much, but when he says something, it means a lot. Is this a situation where either pulling Devin aside and, you know, saying, hey man, we got to get this right. Or even the whole team, does Levante David need to take a little bit more ownership of what's going on right now? I Look, I, 
I would like to think, based off of Kevin Levante, as, as as long as I've had the last six years, I'd like to think and having conversations with him and 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 mentioning the fact that you know here's a guy who went through all the tumultuous years with the Bucks, right? All the years, all the five and eleven years, right? Oh, we went nine and seven. You know, here we go. Potentially, you know, we'll make that playoff run in 2017. Eh, that ain't happen, you know. So he's been he's been a part of this team prior to the Brady years, prior to this team making the playoffs. He's seen it all, and I'd like to think, based off of that, that he has taken it upon himself to have those conversations with <laughs> Devin White. And potentially could be one of the reasons why Devin White spoke today. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think it's far-fetched to think <laughs> Levante got in his ear or someone else got in his ear that he respects, that Devin White respects and said, I need to, you know, clean this up a little bit. I had a bad day last week. I had a bad day against Carolina and I had a bad day on Wednesday in regards to telling the folks I'm good. I gotta own it. Maybe that's maybe that's a conversation he had with somebody. I told him, look, you, you, like you said, you know, you mentioned the fact that maybe Levante needs to be more more taking a more ownership role in regards to the locker room. I think Levante or someone else that Devin White respects got in his ear and told him, dude, you need to own what's been going on because it's it's not you. The effort issues is that something that. You- I mean, it that seems like something that could easily be fixed, but at the same time, some sometimes the, the this is how guys play. You mentioned the the front runner thing. Is that something that you see turning around in ter- in terms of white? Because that's what a lot of people are zeroing in on is the is the lack of effort on some of these plays. Well, see, but that's that's listen. It's not like you're talking about someone who has a reputation of not given the effort that's the thing if you told me hey man you know this guy's got a reputation of not giving effort then i would say well this is this is what you got coming to you but that's not him that lack of effort to me comes off of comes off in the standpoint of maybe reading too much of your own press clippings dude maybe you think you you maybe you think you are who you know who a lot of folks think you are but you don't have to put the put the work in to be that guy and i'm not saying he's like lazy during the week. I just mean from the standpoint of, you know, thinking it might be easy just to show up, right? You hear it all the time in sports. Oh, we just roll the ball out, man, because we're just so good, all right? Well, this ain't the Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington Generals, bro. This is the NFL, all right? You got to show up. You got to show up and play, okay? That's that's how it is. And unfortunately, some some he's not the first guy to go through this, dude. A lot of guys. For sure. A lot of young guys you know, get, get slapped in the face a few times, you know, 22, 20, let's remember, you know, 22, 23 years old, you know, got, got the world at your feet from the standpoint of you second year in third year in you're winning Super Bowls, playing in the playoffs every year. We just spent to Levante. <laughs> Levante didn't have that dude. Levante had nope. to go with, you know, seven, eight, nine years before he got a taste, man. You know, which is something I'm telling you. 54 has probably been in his ear and probably told him, look, man, I had to wait a long time to get where, where, where we're at, where, where you're at after a couple of years in the league. Tighten up. 
So now let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. In this discussion with Devin White, I asked you if he's still one of the best linebackers in the league. You said yes, and you pivoted to Tom Brady. And you said, is Tom Brady still one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Yes. We've piled a lot on this offensive line, on the running game, on Byron Leftwich's play calling, on Mike Evans's drops, on receivers not being healthy throughout this season. But at some point, if you are the greatest quarterback of all time, you've got to pull things pull things out and perform when things aren't ideal. And yes, what's going on on the football field isn't ideal. And I would be completely naive to say that what's going on in Tom Brady's personal life is not affecting his play on the field whatsoever, because you've got to think that it has some kind of effect and that's understandable. But right now, we need to see more out of Tom Brady if the Bucks are going to turn things around and get back in the lead of the NFC South and make a playoff run where potentially anything can happen. Dude, everybody's got to play better. And it starts with him. Nobody, you, I know, you're the biggest Mike Evans fan. And granted, you know, if you want to roll up some numbers and tell me he got 100 yards last week, okay, great. I mean, even, even Mike would tell you. Man, he had you know, over 100 yards in that horrible Carolina game. game. Yeah, yeah. after dropping a 60-yard touchdown pass, by the way. Yeah. But Mike would tell you, I'll get back four or five catches if we win. Those guys, any of those players would tell you that in regards to their numbers. But I bring up the numbers because that's the only thing that says anything. I mean, other than that, that part of the offense, when, when a guy gets over 100 yards, like I said, and I'm not, I'm not saying this in regards to Mike himself, but I'm saying this in regards to the actual numbers. whoop the damn do Like, it doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that, like I said, none of these guys are playing up to their potential and up to their, you know, quote-unquote, back of their playing card, their football card, their stats, you know, pro football reference. These guys aren't playing like that. Tom's not playing like that. Think about the eye test. Think about watching their game. I mean, you watch that game on Thursday night, it's like, eh. They finally scored like a, like a, like a first-half touchdown. Like Fournette scores a touchdown in the first half, and it's like, you're ready to set off poppers. This, this team scored 28 points once this year in those eight, in those eight games. Once. They did it like 12 times last year. You know what the record was in those games last year when they scored 28 points or more? 12 and 0. They won every game. And granted, you might say, well, the offense, you know what? That's, you know, that, that covers a lot. Like, you know, it covers like, uh, like, you know, water covers everything, right? Same thing with points. Well, the offense covers it. No, because the defense was balling too, right? And some folks might say to you, well, if you want to make an excuse up in regards to, you know, banged up and missing, you know, two out of three starting uh, cornerbacks and missing a starting safety. Okay. But what about when they were healthy, dude? What about the last three weeks? Like I said, started this podcast, man. It was the start of season two and up and lost five of the last six. They haven't been missing <laughs> their three D backs five of the last six. 
You want to tell me about Thursday night? Okay. You want to tell me they were banged up a little bit against Pittsburgh? Okay. But what about the rest of those games, dude? What about, I mean, come on, man. Not only that, but again, like I said, the eye test. All right? That's what worries me about Tom. Overrunning plays on the defense. Right? Talked about Devin White on Thursday night getting pushed 15 yards down the field by a pulling guard. That's another thing, too. <laughs> you know what that you know what that guard would be doing last year? Blocking 93. <laughs> Don't tell me this team doesn't miss that dude. I keep I'll say it over and over and over. All right. They miss that dude, man. They miss that dude because that dude. Ask any, ask any, any inside linebacker, middle linebacker, inside linebacker, just like a quarterback's best friends. Oh, who? The linemen. You know what a linebacker, inside linebacker's best friends are? <laughs> the, the tackles, brother. The tackles, whether it be a nose guard or the, or the two tackles inside. Why? Because they occupy the guys that get down the field and block the linebackers. So that those are the guys that the linebackers go, who, 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 sideline to sideline. You can't go sideline to sideline when the guard that's supposed to be locked up with 93 is going downfield and doing what? Blocking your behind 5, 10, 15 yards down the field. Is it blasphemy still to doubt that Tom Brady is going to turn things around? Because a lot of people wanted to stick in a stick a fork in him after that Tennessee playoff game, his last game in New England before he came here, and then he won and then he won a Super Bowl. But watching the past couple weeks, you're starting to get flashbacks of the feeling that, you know, people get old overnight sometimes. It just it happens. Is it is it still blasphemy to doubt Tom Brady because of who he is? Or could could this be it? Could this be the the stretch where Tom Brady all of a sudden got old? I'm not going out there like that. I mean, you want you want to you want me to tell you that he's done? I mean, I, no, no, no. I'm no. I'm, I'm just saying. Like I said, that you're asking. You're you're asking. Is it is it is it fair to is it fair to have doubt that he's going to have another resurrection? Uh, uh, no, of course it is because at some point everyone goes down. Everyone has to say okay. I mean, it's time for me to, it's time for me to, to, you know, hang up the cleats or whatever and, and, and not take any more snaps. I'm not a number one quarterback in this league, whatever it is, but here's the thing. All right. And some folks have talked about this. I won't say no one has talked about this. The fact that we've been here before, even with him in a box uniform, forget the Tennessee game where he, where he threw his last pass in New England as a pick six to who, by the way, Logan Ryan, <laughs> who happens to be where now in the same locker room with Tom. But here's the thing. Things didn't is, start wonderful here in Tampa. No, not just that. Yeah. Not just that. It's the fact that folks had him, you know, losing his mind, needing, needing to get some Jinko Biloba because he forgot the number of downs there were in his Chicago game, okay, on a Thursday night, right? Mm-hmm. Folks are like, What's wrong, man? I mean, if you need some, 
What do you need, man? <laughs> need some brain food, man? What's going on? Tom can't count anymore. Tom, I mean, the great Tom Grady to go. Oh, something's wrong. I mean, hey, man, he's he's done. Like, he, they were bad then. Yeah, they were bad then. All right, they played badly that night. They lost that night, but they didn't look this bad. There are too many things that look bad. We can talk about, like I said, we can talk about regards to losing count, regards to how many towns and all that, but they didn't look this bad. And not only that, like I told you before, man, you come out in the second half and play the way they did after, after having the time to make adjustments. I mean, that's, we can talk about all the good coaches in the NFL. You know what they all have in common? They make adjustments, dude. I don't care if you're Andy Reid, if you're John Harbaugh, who happened to be here last Thursday night, or if you're Bill Belichick, no matter the talent, they make adjustments, dude. So whatever you were doing in the first half and it was working for you, guess what? They're going to take that away. Whatever you think you can do in the second half to fix what you weren't able to do in the first half, they're potentially going to be prepared for it, prepare for that too. And they're going to take that away. That's what they do. And I haven't seen that, dude. I have not seen that. I didn't see that Thursday night. I didn't see that in Carolina. The only, the only, the only thing that I will say in the, the three-game losing streak that maybe doesn't fall into category as far as making adjustments is concerned is because of the fact that Pickett got hurt and Trubisky comes in, and you weren't expecting to play Trubisky. But still... Like you lost to PJ PJ Walker the next week, so I and Mitch can't... Trubisky is still Mitch Trubisky. It's not like Ben Roethlisberger of two thousand and ten came it's out. Not the there. point. It's not the point. The point is the fact that you prepare to play one quarterback and another one who has the ability that Trubisky has comes in. Pickett and Trubisky are not the same quarterback, dude. They're not. Surprised that the Bucks stayed pat at the trade deadline. It was one of the more wild trade deadlines that I can remember in the NFL. Surprised that they didn't go out to make a move to improve, or there were rumors that a guy in Sean Murphy Bunting, who's played well for this team, especially on that Super Bowl run, uh, was on the trade block. You surprised that the Bucks did nothing. I'm sure they probably made calls, but I mean, you know, even if you fixed, what do you want to fix? You want to fix the offensive line? Okay, cool. <laughs> Like I said, man, you're three and five. You just gave up 231 rush yards in the second half. You gave you gave up touch and, touchdown drives at 77, 80, and 85 yards in the second half. And you allowed a team to score all, score points on their first four possessions in the second half. And your, your running game is, you know, averaging, you know, 35 to 40 yards a game in the last six weeks. I think in that in that case, you, uh, you've almost... There's a lot of things hope. to fix. You... you in terms of the offensive line and ways that this team is going to get better, you've got to hope that you can get Ryan Jensen back. And then the other possible move is Tom making one last call to Gronk. That to me, those, those things I thought even going into the trade deadline were more, more possible than them going out and getting a marquee player. Cause you're the fact that TJ Hawkinson goes to Minnesota for a second and third round draft pick when you're in the situation that the Bucks are where even if you are 
to turn things around and win a Super Bowl this year, which is obviously the ultimate goal. I think that the Bucs are starting to get into the phase where it's going to be a little bit closer to rebuild than it is to reload. So I think that you have to be careful what you do with draft picks. So I think that that is why they didn't make a move to quote unquote improve. But I will ask you, are you surprised that Murphy Bunting was on the trade block as was reported from a couple different sources? No, because it's a, it's a contract issue. That's number one. Number two is you can throw out you know, teams that made deals. But again, you're talking about a team here in Tampa Bay that has multiple things to fix. Okay, you want to talk about Miami getting chubbed? You want to know why? Because they're five and three and they don't have problems on offense. Okay, they move the football against everyone. All right, they have one of the most dynamic wide receivers that we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years. That's number one. Number two is possibly two of them with the way Waddle's playing this year, too. Minnesota thinks they got a shot this year. Okay, that's why they made a deal for Hawkinson. Okay, they fixed things that they felt like. We're making, we're making one move to make us better, to make us not just competitive, to be seriously talking about a playoff run. That's why those teams made those moves. You're not talking about teams that are like, you know, we can talk about teams that are like, again, 500 or just below 500, and maybe they're not sellers, but they ain't going to be crazy buyers either. Because one thing's not going to fix them. Those teams that made those deals and jumped the way they jumped, like Miami and Minnesota did, gave up what they gave up, the, the commodities they gave up, draft picks, because they feel like they're one piece away. The Bucks play this weekend another team who had very high expectations going into the season, the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams, but they seem to have a lot of problems with their football team right now as well. Um, is this a game where somebody's going to get some mojo? Somebody's going to turn things around? Or is it just going to be one of those games where we've looked at this year, the mediocre football that you've talked a lot about this season? Yeah, that's what it is. One team's three and four, the other team's three and five, and, and neither one of them's playing, playing good football. One team... Lost five of the last six, lost three straight games, that being the Bucks. Scored 28 points once once this year. While the other team, the Rams, they've they've played four games this year where they scored 14 points or less and have lost those games by double digits, including last week. They lost 31 to 14 against San Francisco. All right. They can't score either. They can't score. Not only can they not score. I just mentioned to you the fact that even when they can't score, they lose those games by double digits. So they, they, we talk about the Bucs having the problems. You mentioned how, you know, you jumped on the offense in regards to the problems there. I talk about the defense. Rams ain't no better. They got their problems yeah. on, they got their problems on defense and offense too. And I just told you them. Out of the trades, we've mentioned Hawkinson. We've mentioned Chubb going to Miami. There's also Roquan Smith going to Baltimore. Is it one of those tr three trades or another trade that's going to make the biggest impact on what ultimately happens in terms of teams making a deep playoff run in 2022, 2023, once we get to the playoffs? This is, this is too easy for me, dude. That's like, a, a, for me, this is a layup. It's Miami getting Chubb. 
Miami why, getting why is it so much of a layup over Smith going to Baltimore? Because of the position. You're talking, okay. about, a pa- you're talking about a pass, pass rush. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a pass rusher, dude. They felt like that's what they needed. Like they lacked a pass rusher. But and you it, think Miami's closer to being able to be a Super Bowl team than Baltimore? Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's okay. not, the, it's not it's, again, it's not, you ask me which deal. That's the deal. No, I'm saying which one makes the biggest impact. So that's saying that, that one. You, you think this could put Miami over the edge? Because I think, uh, here's how I view it. I think Baltimore's closer. That's why I think that Smith could put them over the edge and make them contenders with Kansas City and with Buffalo this oh. year as opposed to no, Miami. No, not, no, no knock on Waquan Smith because he, he, he is one of the best plays at his position. But it's the position. He's an inside linebacker. Talk about a, you talk about a pass rusher that's going to play three downs, dude, and and gives them gives them what they lack. So looking at look, looking at looking at the AFC right now, Buffalo and Kansas City still the two favorites. Miami's the third best team it, in the AFC. Okay, that's where I was going to go with. They're the third best team in the AFC. They may not win the division because because Buffalo is what it is, but they just gave them a piece. To when they do face Patrick Mahomes or when they do face Josh Allen, when they go up to Buffalo, you know, in December, freeze their bonds off and go up there like they do every year at Orchard Park and deal with the Bills Mafia, right? Usually when they go up there, dude, they get blasted, all right? Ever since Marino's been gone, they go up there. I mean, Tua's gone up there and they've lost 35 to nothing where they can't move the football. I mean, the offense is different now. They added Jeff Wilson from running back standpoint too, right? Talked about a couple of weeks ago in regards to the Niners and McCaffrey. And I said, man, based off the way the Niners run the football, I could run behind that offensive line because just, the just the way they scheme it. Guess who schemes it the same way? The Miami Dolphins. Get the way, guess what they have now? Two former 49ers running backs that Mike McDaniel had in San Francisco. And Mostert and Wilson. They're building that team, you know, to, to make a run. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how things play out the rest of the season, and we'll see if the Bucks can turn things around on Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams. We'll be back next week. I know I mentioned it last week, the Bucks playing the Seahawks. Got a little bit ahead of myself, but we'll talk, we'll – Review what happens against the Rams and look ahead to the Bucks going to Germany to face the surprising Seattle Seahawks. Until then, follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. And follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Until next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. <laughs>